Welcome to the podcast where we sometimes talk about fitness, but we always talk about nothing. I'm Haley Jones. I'm Mandy Jones. And, and this, this is Joneser Side. Hello and welcome back to Joneser Size. We have a very thought-provoking cross-training episode for you today. Um, if you don't already, go check us out on Instagram at Pod. There's lots of good stuff over there. We actually do a workout of the week every Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, every Wednesday. And it's funny because sometimes those workouts are extremely difficult. Yeah, they are. Um, sometimes those workouts are just live with me and Haley and it's, <laughs> and it's not. So and they are magical. <laughs> They're magical. They're fitness magic in a different way. Yeah, they are. So, um, so anyway, so go check us out on the gram. Um, but before we get started, let's warm up a quick accelerated warm up, if you will. I feel like we've got a lot yeah. to cover. Okay. Two things. Okay. Number one, I just want to be clear. I listened back to last week's episode and I was like, there's this song is inappropriate. And then I said, and I played it for my students. I did not play the inappropriate parts. I only played the beginning part where she's like, here comes, here comes the weekend. Uh, that part. That See, that's fine. So I just felt like I needed to clarify. My um, son's kindergarten teacher and his fourth grade teacher both played Cheeseburger in Paradise. Oh. But only yeah. Cheeseburger in Paradise. Right. Because it was time for lunch. Right. I mean. Yeah, naturally. I think, yeah. I think so you got to just be careful about your lyrics. But yeah. I did not play the inappropriate parts. Well, okay. That was number one. Okay. Number two <laughs> is this weekend was the NFL draft. Yeah, it was. And I... I don't know why. I love it. Love it. You should have been at our house because our house loves it too. <laughs> so Chris was out of town. Yeah. Um, and so we were at basketball practice and we're picking up and we're not going to be home quite at eight. Yeah. When it oh, started. Oh, well, and they did delay a little I, bit. They delayed a lot. I mean, I enjoyed Kings of Leon. Don't give me No, wrong. I didn't. I, did you not? No, my friend was like, you don't like them? I was like, no, I'm here for the football. No, I'm here I to did, see the people. I did enjoy Kings of Leon, however, comma, uh, and I tried to tell my kids, we will be home when it starts because <laughs> yeah. it's fine. No, we had to start watching it at 10 till 8 in the car on our telephones. Oh, obviously. Streaming it on ESPN.com. Oh, but anyway, so, because I, yeah, I, we enjoyed the draft I just love well. the story of the guys. Mm -hmm. I was, like, on Instagram yesterday, laying in bed. Sunday's like, I don't have to go anywhere. I was just laying in bed, like, looking at all these people. Who did you, where did you come from? What did you do? Like, what's on your Instagram story? Are you excited you're coming to our team? Are you talking about our team? Like, what did you do? To promote our team. Well, I, I feel like some people are not happy. They got drafted oh. to our team, which kind of ticks me off. Ticking off is that strong. I'm just like, I feel like you should be like, yeah, we're going to the Steelers. Uh, like, okay, yeah, but I just don't You know. got freaking drafted. Well, yeah, but you're going to Pittsburgh. I mean, that. Well, there's worse places you can there, go. There are worse so, places you can go. So, for that, example, Detroit. That's You could be going to the true. Jets. Um, you could be going. I mean, there is a lot of worse places you could be going. Okay. I mean, the Jets we have team, one guy that yes. grew up as a Ravens fan, and he, he commented, he was like, I just ordered terrible towels for my entire family. 
that's that's good. Stuff. <laughs> I was like, yes, that uh, is good stuff. You know, what reminds me of the terrible towel or the yeah. predators towels. Yes, yeah. I feel like they cheated and took that a little. Oh, bit. I'm sure because the predators are so now? much older than the Steelers. Yeah, have you, <laughs> have you seen have you seen the towels? No, I haven't. So they have on the edge of the, yeah. like on the corner. Yeah. Um. There's two. Um like eyeballs almost that light up yeah. like it's and so like when they when you swing it it looks like oh, that's cool it's kind of fun i've been to a predators game okay. before they so. are super fun um, um, i was gonna say one more thing about this oh okay last year obviously it was all at home yes. right and oh, so yeah. it was that roger goodell was like at his house and they had his chair, chair up there do you think that was so lame i thought that was weird and who really wants to sit in that chair nobody and they were like in there for a long time. And I felt like <laughs> the way he was choosing it is the way like a high school principal chooses someone out of the stand. Yeah. It, it was, was or like it was maybe strange. it was very like youth pastor energy yes. to me. And I did not love it. Well, and also the number of times they said vaccinated, Shay and I was like, uh, we could have had like a shot game out of this. Uh, was, every, they were like, the chair is vaccinated. This is vaccinated. Everyone's vaccinated. vaccinated. Vaccinated a mask. Vaccinated like, have been tested oh and vaccinated. Gosh. But um, it made me hype. It well, me I, my favorite part of it was the very first draft pick when they drafted Trevor Lawrence. And he yes. was at actually at home. Yes. And um, so they get the call, you know, hey, will you come or whatever, you know, whatever. And the whole, the all of his family and everything erupted with cheers. Yes. And his little precious dog was like so excited <laughs> and just kept like I'm going, gonna have to go back and watch this. just kept going back like to him and to his wife and then back to like his dad oh, and was like we're so excited and they were <laughs> and they were um like including, including him, him and like Aww. yes we're got it was so sweet it made me so happy. I have to go back and see that I did see one person holding up a dog like jumping up and down Aww. I felt bad for the dog yeah. I don't know whose dog that was but it was, yeah, funny, it was good stuff so. all right so this weekend we watched the, we started watching the draft on Thursday night and then the rest of it was just kind of like heads up we didn't really turn it back on I don't feel oh no we did that's a lie we turned it back on on Friday too but um okay so I have a long history of basically donating my money yeah. To um, plant and flower nurseries. Okay. So I just give them my money and then I just kill anything that I, <laughs> that I purchased. You're supporting small Chris, business. Chris said that I should, it would be better if I just threw $20 bills out the window as I drove to the nursery. He's like, because what's the point? You're just throwing money away. But the plant is here for at least a little while. Yeah. So he was out of town this weekend and my neighbor and my <laughs> sister-in-law both had recently planted, planted stuff and I was getting inspired and I was like, I'm doing it. I'm going back. I'm right. doing it. So I just got very minimal things Yeah. and I bought them and hadn't helped me do it all on Saturday and we got it all situated. And, um, when, <laughs> when Chris came home, he was like, well, they're, they're alive today. So he's such a nice air. So y'all, we got to stay on. Yeah. It's going to be fine. We're going to, I need some encouragement. Tell him to go to the neighbors and clean the refrigerator out. He, you know, yeah, it's that's like, true. You're like, get his chicken <laughs> out that way. <laughs> exactly. Um, this, this I think the point. plants look great. Okay. Well, thank you. It's the effort. It's the, you tried, you're trying. I'm, and I'm and... going to keep it alive. Well, I can keep my dog alive. I can keep my kids alive. I can keep these plants alive. I can do it. Yes, you can. I can do it. I'm just hoping it rains a lot because <laughs> I'm not great at it. 
my sister-in-law, she loves to water stuff. So she gets tons and tons and tons and tons of things. Yeah. And just like probably even over waters. Oh. She just loves to water. Well, I'm the opposite. My therapy is walking my dog. Right. Not watering not plants. But, you know, we're going to get there. It'll be fine. It'll be, it will be fine. We're all growing. Yeah, we are growing. All right. So I'm super excited. Yes. Our, this is a cross training episode. So the book we read was Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. So yeah. Outliers, the story of success is a nonfiction book published uh, in November of 2008, which surprised me. Yes. It felt more, not that 12 years ago is not current, but I don't know. It surprised me. Yeah. Um, so Gladwell examines the factors that contribute to high levels of success. That's what Wikipedia says. <laughs> We'll see what we say. Yeah, we'll see what we say. Okay, so we kind of broke it down. Basically, Outliers is broken out into, um, what is it, eight chapters? Yeah. yeah. Two parts, eight chapters, I think. So anyway, we kind of broke it down into each chapter, and we've got just some easy discussion questions um, that stood out to us. So the first chapter was called The Matthew Effect. And basically, it was talking about, like, grouping how your life goes out based on when you were born. Yeah. Meaning like literally when you're born in the year. Right. Like if you're a January baby or a December baby or whatever. Um, so anyway, so the question that I have are, is are, are passion, talent and hard work, the only three ingredients of success, according to what he is talking about here with relative age and ability grouping. I mean, well, according to what he's saying, no, passion, talent, and hard work don't matter. For example, um, everyone go Google people's NHL players' birthdays. And based on his research, you're going to find that pretty much they're all born in the early part of the year. Based January, on, February, March. Yeah. So you wouldn't really see a pro hockey player that's born in August or November, November for okay. sure. Yeah. yeah. Like, so, um, based on what he's saying, you know, he's saying that, you know, the system is in place that chooses players that they're kind of cut off, like which teams they go to. So you could be very talented, but you could have been born in December. And so you're going to be the small guy compared to the guys that were born in January, January. which means that you're not picked for certain teams, which means you've got less hours in, which means that even if you put in the hard work, you're probably going to be behind, which is probably going to not cause you, but result in you, no, you not sticking with it. Being I as guess. successful. Yeah, ultimately. Being, yeah. Um, so this played out, uh, very clearly at our, in our house. Yeah. So the way youth football works yeah. before you get into school is you are placed on a team based on your birthday of what, how old you are on July 31st. Mm-hmm. Okay. So like if you're 11 on July 31st, you're on the 11 and 12 year old team. If you're nine on July 31st, nine and 10 year old team. Well, Hutton Jones' birthday is August 4th. Oh. So he was 12. Right. On July 31st. Right. And then four days later, he turned 13. Well, he was oh, playing with right. 11 and 12 year olds. Right. So, I mean, so he was, those, so those years, because he played as a 10-year-old, 11-year-old, and 12-year-old, which yeah. basically he was 11, 12, and 13. Mm-hmm. He was a fool. But he was already right. at this crazy advantage right. b- 
because of his birthday. Right. And so um, we, I, I just thought that was, I, I thought that was super <laughs> interesting when he was talking about this. And I thought, oh, well, this is, this 100% happens, not just in the NHL. Right. And now granted, now it doesn't matter because he's, right. he's graded and all of that. But the, but like, um, I know soccer. Like, yeah. Yeah. Soccer does this. Right. Baseball does this. It's all about the year you're born. Yeah. So if you're, you know, um, if you're, well, even when you start kindergarten. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like the older kindergartners versus the ones <laughs> that literally just turned five and they're basically right. still babies. Yes. Like. And then my kid. <laughs> yeah. That I essentially, my kids, I essentially redshirted them. That's what we say. That's what my brother did. And yeah. I think that probably made him like my mom would tell you to this day, he was not ready to go to kindergarten, even though he was like age. Yeah. So she held him. Yeah. Or whatever. And now he, you know. Well, my kids actually probably would have been ready to go to kindergarten. Yeah. But I didn't want my boys going mm -hmm. to college as 17-year-olds. Yeah, no, that's Like, smart. I couldn't. Right. That was just stressing me out. So, um, that I was more like, I wanted them to be older as a junior in high school. I wanted right. them to be older. That's when I wanted them right. to be older. Right. But now that I've read this, I'm thinking, I mean, all of those, when you look at those kindergartners, those younger kids are put in younger and lower ability groups yeah, because they're just not as mature right. to handle it. And then they're getting less exposure. Yes. So I just thought that was very, very interesting. Very and, um, interesting. Okay. So what else do you have to say about that? Anything? Well, it just makes me, um, it just makes me think what other hidden systems do we just not even realize are there? Mm-hmm that are like not necessarily holding us back but if we were just more aware of how we make systems like how could we do better well like he even gave examples you know? of the nhl right with these rec hockey leagues if you had to right to right you know kids that to cut offs or right, whatever yeah yeah um so for for two different teams and all of that well and it very i am so much of like a just work hard like just keep moving forward just keep moving forward but then it's like what systems mm -hmm. like if you're if you want to play hockey but you're born in december right like just ten thousand hours of work even matter <laughs> yeah well I mean, yeah and so it's just like oh my gosh like i know that you're right i'm sure there's systems all well, I know there are systems right. all over the place that we just don't even acknowledge and that then, we don't even realize that are there to mm -hmm. we just this yeah. is how we do it this is how we do it yeah just get in line yeah yeah <clears throat> no I think you're right for sure yeah um all right so talking about 10,000 hours yes the next chapter is about um that essentially Anyone that is a super success at something has worked on it for 10,000 hours over their life. So, I mean, yeah. he talked about the Beatles. Yes. He talked about um, professional um, musicians. Yes. He talked about all those kinds of different things. So, first of all, did this surprise you at all? Well, it's weird. Like, I'd read it before. So, I, so I can't know if I was surprised when I first read it. But I will say that retroactively, mm -hmm. like when I think about wrestling, I kept thinking to myself, how long is it going to take me to get to 10,000 hours? Oh, that's funny. And that's I even calculated like whenever I first started training, it was like four hours a day for 16 weeks, four days a week, and like a two hours of promos or whatever. Mm -hmm. 
And I was like calculating how, how many hours for that? How far away was I from 10,000? How many, how much would I have to do in order to get to my 10,000? And I was like, this doesn't even, this isn't even logical because I like, you can't, you can't, you cannot be in wrestling and get pregnant. Like you can't. Yeah. Yeah. Like all that stuff. And I was like, this doesn't even make sense. Cause you, 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 you mean it was illogical cause it was just almost insurmountable. Yeah. Well, and because also I'm in the ring with 20 year olds. Right. You are, have, you yeah. are kind of behind that. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm at. coming at, at the time I was coming in at 33 mm-hmm. and I have people that ha- they have been wrestling since they were 16 and now they're 20 and they've been in matches since they were 16. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? So and then so, what did that, so then what did that do to you? Did it make you? Well, I just think that, and I think it's 10,000 hours, but also I think like, like when they're talking about Bill Gates and mm-hmm. all this obsessed with like going to be in a computer, I think that you have to be, it is not 10,000 hours of like misery. It's 10,000 hours of like all in. Well, they even you know? said it's 10,000 yeah. hours of very intentional yes. practice, yes. not just like, oh, right. I'm just going to yes. pick up my violin and play on right. it. You know, it's. It's intentional. Right. Yes. Hours. There's another book that's talking about that too. But anyways, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, well, with wrestling, do I love it? I mean, there's a guy, Dylan McQueen. He, that's all he does. That's mm-hmm. all he, he, that's all he does. And it's just like, how could you even get there? Yeah. I wanna, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I think like with real estate, I feel like that. That's why I can be working till 10 PM and being like, Oh, I want to go two more hours or whatever on like stuff I'm building and creating. Right. Right. And that's the first time I've done something like that. Whereas like teaching, even that passionate. Well, about. teaching, I'm sure I have ten thousand hours. Like I'm sure I have all this stuff, but well, like I didn't love it. Hours, but it wasn't like you were doing. But 10, even 000. in front of people, yeah, like instructing and all mm-hmm. that. Like I think I'm great at that. I just think it's not to be in a school classroom, you know. But right. even though like I have a lot of practice doing that, you know, and a lot of whatever. It's just not what your passion. Was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, so um, so then how do you keep? people motivated like this this is this was my this was my takeaway from this honestly kind of what you're saying yeah like I feel like especially the United States and maybe it's just the south or maybe I don't know but I feel like we have created this society where recreational play yes so recreational tennis recreational basketball recreational you know whatever yeah is not good enough yeah. Like you need to be paying thousands of dollars to be on a travel team. You need to, you know, cause you, your kid needs to get in the 10,000 hours or whatever. So like, what do you think this mentality has done to those kind of recreational type activities? Um, I don't know. I mean, I do think it's personality too, but I think, I don't know what it's done. I think, I don't know why we can't just have hobbies. Right. And just enjoy It's it. like, we're too busy trying to be great. Yeah. That right. We don't have time to be like, what are your hobbies? Oh, I've, I have, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, we were at dinner the other night with a couple. Right. And we were talking about he, the guy we were with, he was like, I have too many hobbies. And I looked at Chris and I said, I have no hobbies. Yeah. And he was like, can you read? <laughs> <laughs> That's like, funny. Yeah. I mean, is that a hobby? I don't know. I mean, but it was, and, and I don't know. It's very interesting because you're, but so I don't know if that is, that's not because I I'm, be, that isn't because I'm trying to be great though at anything else. 
I think that's my personality though. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Well, I think also we have a, I think that, um, these outliers, like in a sense are doing things. They are these outliers because they love what they're doing. And I think we have a mismatch of like helping people find to do what they love. You're Yeah. I think you're right. Like, yeah. Instead yeah. of saying, yeah. And I do think though, actually, ultimately that's what makes kind of a good coach and a good teacher yeah. is when you identify like you are good at this. Right. And then try to be able to kind of create some passion in that. Right. To, to be able to kind of develop yeah. it. But anyway. Um, I don't know. Uh, where does opportunity play out in the $10,000 and 10,000 hour rule? I mean, well, like with Bill Gates, he had the opportunity. The hockey players, their birthdays were the opportunity. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Beatles, the Beatles, they had the opportunity. opportunity. Now they took the opportunity. They took it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and you just don't ever know who's not taking one. Right. So to me, I think that's just divine intervention in my opinion. Gosh. You know, because I mean, I'm just thinking. I mean, don't, isn't that always, I mean, aren't we constantly making choices throughout our day and right. our lives? Well, in the Beatles, I mean, or like Bill Gates, for example, he wasn't as a, however old he was thinking like, I'm going to mm-hmm. become some computer mogul. He was just like, I really, I really like doing this. I really <laughs> like doing it. I'm obsessed yeah. with it. I want to learn more about it. It's a curiosity. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. And like the Beatles, I guess they, I mean, if you, they love playing. Right. So... And maybe that, but I, yeah, but I do think the Beatles is different than Bill Gates. They loved playing, but they also were a band and were driving yes. for success. Right. They wanted to be, yeah, successful they wanted to, well yeah, I think that's a, I think entertainment is super different. Yeah. Then, than somebody like a Steve Jobs or a Bill Gates. Right. Right. I think t- when they got to a certain point, they, they were thinking we are going to, Right. Be big and be moguls and that kind of thing. But I think when they were young. Well, and they were, yeah, that learning and all that stuff they were building, they were just, they were literally just learning. Learning, yeah. And then that became what, they became a master at it. Right. Without even like, I'm going to become a master. master. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's super interesting, actually. Oh. Anyway. And so maybe they, maybe they are an outlier. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Um, all right. So then that we got broken down into, okay. So we've, so I, I love how he kind of played this out. Like we talk about like luck on your birthday, yeah. drive right. 10,000 hours. And then it's kind of okay. What about these smart people? <laughs> you know, like yes. what about these IQ people? Yes. And so he kind of, he has two, Malcolm Gladwell has two different chapters talking about geniuses. And he says that many people and companies in our society are convinced that those at the very top of the IQ scale have the greatest potential. Do you agree with this? No. I don't either. Absolutely not. Do you know your IQ? No. I don't either. I've never had an IQ test. I've never had it done either. I had one professor when I got my LSAT score back. He was like, your IQ is way better than this. Haley, what were you doing? (laughs) Oh, that's funny. But he just was saying basically you're smarter than this. Yeah. He was like, Haley. Yeah. I was like, I freaked out. I'm sorry. Okay. So that's my next question. I was actually, that was my, yeah. that's one of my questions. Yeah. So how are you when it comes to testing? Cause you know, we had these two different tests, right? You know, one was more just like knowledge driven. Right. And then one was more problem solving driven. Right. I loved this experiment by yes. the way. So where are you in that spectrum? How do you do in like just standardized testing? I am a 
horrible standardized tester. Yeah, I'm not. Great. I'm not good at that. I get super. I get very worked up. I get a lot yeah. of anxiety. Um, I was taking my um, entrance exam for graduate school, and um, it's similar to the, you know, LSAT, but it was the GMAT. But anyway, yeah. and I um, had to get up and leave during the exam to go to the bathroom. Um, not during a bathroom break, just with it ticking. Yeah, because I was losing it. Oh yeah. And I, I couldn't get it back together. Right. So I had to go and like kind of talk myself off a ledge mm, right? and then go back and finish it. Yes. So I'm obviously not good at that. Well, oh, there's so many things I could say about testing. Um, no, I'm not a good test taker, especially when it's high stakes. Right. Like when I, like with the LSAT, I was like, my entire life depends on this test. Yeah. When I did my real estate exam, I got, I got up, paused my test. Cause you can have like, you can you know, go to the bathroom, whatever, pause it. I was in the bathroom doing jumping jacks to get, to get my mind like, yeah. Right. On, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just the movement of like, I've been yeah. sitting here for three hours. Like, right. Like I can do this. Well, that's basically why I got up too. Yeah. I was losing it. And so yeah. I went to get myself right. together because yeah. sometimes you just got to. Well, and I guess. So my, you, were you yeah. less stressed taking the real estate license? Yes. Yeah. Well, you were an older, you were. Well, I was less stressed. And also I was just like, I'm going to pass this thing. Yeah. Whereas like LSAT, it's like either I'm going to, I have to do well enough on this to get a, to get a scholarship or like, I can't go to law school. Right. If I don't go to law school, my whole life is over. Well, but you were like, so much younger then. Yeah. Think about the different yeah. life experiences right. you had gone well, through at that point too. And right? I mean, even when I took, even when you take the exam to be highly qualified for math, mm -hmm. like all that, but I guess like with all these tests, okay, I'm just going to say this. Just say it. Okay. For example, right now, our kids have tests shoved down their throats. Right. So the point of these tests don't mean anything. Mm -hmm. And they really don't, except they mean something for the teacher, teacher and the school. Right. Which is unfair to everyone involved. Even if you talk about, even if you look at this year, why are we testing people? Why? Yeah. What are we doing? Because what's going to happen is people are going to sit in hours of data meetings People are going to be crucified over the data. Mm -hmm. People are going to be called into meetings and watched after because their data didn't look as good. When their kids weren't even... they And, and in, in the ring. There's no even standardization in anything. Much less. That's like... It's like, oh my gosh, what are we doing? And then we're going to have kids spend weeks doing tests. For what? These tests don't do, mean anything for them. I'm just like, oh, well, especially so especially when teachers feel the pressure to be teaching to the test. Well, and that, you know what I mean? Because they yes. want to look well and teaching to the test. Yeah. But also like a lot of stuff isn't even getting touched on. We're not even helping kids be thinkers. We're no. literally like, right. let me teach you. I don't I don't know if I want to say teach to the test, but I want to say like, OK, so we're having schools for example are having testing schedules where okay i'm not with my kids you're with my kids right but what kids need is they need adult relationship they need to, they need relationship together they need to be able to pro solve problem solve but instead we're like no we're gonna go sit here for two weeks with someone else and they're gonna proctor you and we're gonna waste your time well i know but that's what i'm saying is so <sighs> interesting because he was giving he, he right because basically these schools mm -hmm. that give two different tests, right? They give one what you just described, yes. 
just like state testing. State yes. testing. And then they give another mm-hmm. that's more of a problem solving thing. Right. Like what was the what was the one example? Brick and Yeah, how many different things could you figure out to do with a brick? Yeah. And like one guy was like, build a house. Well, it was two Stack things. A brick, wall, and, brick and brick a and blanket. blanket. I think a blanket. Anyway, and I just loved all of the outside of the box thinking because I feel like, though, our education systems are are creating our kids to just answer a problem. Yes. You know, like, that's it. Right. Like, end of story. And and that's not life. (laughs) That's no one's job. Right, right. Well, and now we are supposedly having these hybrid tests that are part problem solving, part not. And it's like, it doesn't even, it's, there's, I can't remember if it was chapter four or where this was in there, where he was talking about, maybe it was later on where he's like, you could rank how people are going to do on the test Test. by how many of the pre-questions they answered or whatever. Right. That had nothing to do with the content. Right. And the guy was like, I can't even write a research study about this because it doesn't even make, it's like, people won't believe me. Right. Like He was saying that you, you, he knows how students will do in math. Yeah. Based on how hard right. they have worked to do. How, well, it's like basically perseverance. Like if you have yeah. a bunch of nonsense questions about where do you live or like all this pre-questions to answer mm-hmm. that test. Mm-hmm. And then you have the actual test. That based on how many questions you answered, mm-hmm. how are you going to do? And like, that's another thing. That's another buzzword, like with an education, perseverance and problem solving. Right. But the problem is that we don't have the time for our people to persevere. Right. Because like, we, we just don't like it's in it because I have so many standards I have to cover in order to get through this test, but they don't mean anything. <laughs> right. Right. They don't mean anything. You need, yeah. You, yeah. Cause you, you've lost any kind of like depth. Yeah. To really get down in. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, and I think when he's talking about geniuses and he's like that term termite study or whatever. Oh, right. how, <laughs> I loved it so much. It, how, like basically this, these students were identified as like gifted or whatever. And so he. At a very young age. Yes. At a very young age. So he followed them like through their lives basically. And the ones that were like C students or whatever. They were like mediocre in life. Like they didn't, you know, achieve all this or whatever. But, but then he was talking about socioeconomic. It was like all heavily reliant on like their socioeconomic background. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, this is freaking what I'm talking about. Right. This is it. This is what it is. Yes. Yes. And then, then that's where, let me just bring this in real sec, real quick. Calling of the American mind. Those people that are freaking making craziness on college campuses are the termites right that were a's they were a's the b's and c's did not even have the opportunity no to go there yeah no no of course they didn't yeah i mean i'm just like (sighs) yeah (laughs) anyways okay well and that goes that's the last chapter we'll we'll get into that about yeah but um actually it kind of gets into um well Uh, let's talk talk about yeah sorry go ahead no, no, no. What were you going to say? Well, I was just reading your notes about um, difference between divergence and convergence. Which we talked yeah, about. Yeah, we talked yeah. about. And then yeah. entitlement. Yeah, which we talked about. Okay, yeah. so, um, so, but getting to what you were saying, though, because we keep driving down further and yes. further is, okay, we're smart, we work hard. Right. You know, whatever. So, but a lot of the stuff that has to do with our personality and the way we handle conflict, the way we handle perseverance, the way we, whatever is, 
really where we come from. Yeah. And he calls this a culture of honor, like, or the Appalachian area is a culture yes. of honor. So he does this study on Harlan, Kentucky and, um, and which is hilarious because that's where my husband is today, but that is funny. And it ties in with my finisher, but anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> so I love Harlan, Kentucky, but anyway, um, so, but this chapter speaks of cultural legacy. So what similarity, similarities do you see between your parents and you and your grandparents and you, grandparents and you, or do you even see any? And then what is the significance of these um, when it comes to your personality? Did you even know this existed? Because I did not. No, I didn't. I didn't. I guess if you existed. think about it, yeah. very um, like... Um, you know, like macro. Yes. When, you know, you pull it, when he set, when he starts talking about it, I think, oh well, yeah. Right. But to me, I guess I just thought it was more like present cultural. Yes. I never knew it went way, 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 back. way back. Basically he was saying that in this Appalachian area that I live in, that there were herdsmen right. that lived here because they moved here from Europe. And so they set up their um, livelihood the same way they did there. Right. And those people had to essentially fight off. That's like where Hatfield and McCoy's was inspired. Right. That whole feuding. Yes. Because they, they were like territorial of because you have their to, sheep. if someone's going right? to come and take your livestock, right. You have to literally fight them yes. off. Right. And so if you're a, um, a harvester, right. You're not, no one's going to come and like sweep out all of your right. cabbage. They may burn it. Yeah, they could burn it. Or like send leeches on it. That's another television show. <laughs> I have so many pop culture things. There, that was in uh, that one you told me about. 1776. Or, yeah. um, yes. Turn. Yes. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but anyway, uh, so I just, I don't know. I just thought it was super. So he talks about, he has this hallway experiment. At the, I don't even remember where it was. At some university. Some Michigan? university. It was yeah, Michigan. Yeah. Something um, like that. And he, um, so this is what he did. So it was this narrow hallway. Yes. He had a bunch of college age boys. Yes. Um, coming through and, um, the hallway would narrow. <laughs> if you can hear that Duke is like digging a hole in the carpet. <laughs> he's, I don't know where he's going, but, um, he's burying something. University of Michigan. Yeah, girl. Yeah, it was Michigan. And so they had a hallway that narrowed down. And these students were coming to a classroom and they had planted someone there in this narrow hallway to open up yeah. um, filing cabinets to make it to where you couldn't get through. Right. And as the, the, these college boys passed this kid that was getting in their way, the kid said. He was like, asshole. Yeah. Like he slammed the friend. filing cabinet door shut, jostled the young men with his shoulder, and in a low, audible voice said the trigger word, asshole. And so then they tested these kids when they arrived in the classroom on like their blood pressure, their heart rate, the firmness of their handshake, mm -hmm. all of the stuff. And it was super interesting because yes. the kids, the saliva samples, I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah to see about their, their testosterone, testosterone yeah. levels, it did spike. And so what they found were the kids that their families were from the South. They were mad. They were they were very <laughs> they upset. were angry. <laughs> they were very angry. But the kids that their ancestry was more Midwestern and North, mm -hmm. 
not so much. Yeah, no effect. There was almost no effect. Like they didn't care. They weren't right. offended. And I just think that's crazy interesting. I know. And even like one, there were, there were even a couple that actually were from Michigan, but their families were from the Appalachian area. Yes. Like they're crazy. actual historic. So I just thought I loved, loved that. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So and I, who would have thought? And then I, then I was like, I felt bad for the guys that were like angry. I know <laughs> because they were like, yeah, irritated and yes. for, for like an experiment. I don't know. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. So anyway, that kind of like led into the next um, chapter about um, essentially how personality. Are you a herdsman? I would say so. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. No, I would be angry if someone was like, now I, I, he was talking about how some of them were got super close to the guy. I would give the person room, but if someone jostled my shoulder and called me an a-hole, I would be angry. Yeah. I, um, like it would bother me. I don't know if I would say anything. It would bother me. I'm, I'm actually ashamed to say that I probably would have apologized. Oh, I would have been like, oh, I'm sorry. Cause I would, I would, I would be yeah, more. That's a good point. I would have, I would have felt badly that I had like made that person way. call me that. <laughs> like that was somehow my fault. Right. You know what I mean? Fault. Yeah. My fault. I would probably, actually, I would probably apologize too, but it would be like, I, I'm sorry. And then I would just keep thinking about it. Like, why do you call me an a-hole? Yeah. Yeah. And what did I do? I was just trying right. to come out of this classroom. Right. For you to take my saliva sample. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it was interesting because they didn't test any women. Yeah, no. Which is another asterisk. Yes. Where are the women in this book? Good question. There's Malcolm, none. where are the women? There's not any. None. None. Anyway. Okay. No so, women outliers. I mean, literally, there's nothing. He does no study on any women. Oh, no. At the end with Kim. <sighs> well, he talks about his mom. He talks about his mom. The, You're right. In the epilogue. Yeah, in the epilogue. That's true. Yeah. All right. So, um, moving on. So, the last... Um, little section of this is uh we're talking about like i don't know your culture and all that kind of stuff yeah. is um plane crashes are more prevalent in countries that their culture is less bold well less individual less individualistic and more like favoring towards authority right yes right so like if you very much keep your boss revered and respected and you are way you feel that you are way lower than yes. them chances are your plane's gonna fly into a mountain <laughs> you are not gonna speak up even if you think you're speaking up you're not speaking, you're not speaking, speaking up. up and i thought this was interesting um because to me basically what happened it happened was korea then figured out this is what was going on right and they were able to adjust and change and create a, an environment where it was safe because planes just kept going down. Right. And I appreciate that because it kind of goes back to what you were saying before, what systems are not working. Right. This system wasn't working. Mm -hmm. And instead of just saying, oh, y'all are all terrible pilots and just continuing to hire more people and do more training, they actually went to the root cause of what was wrong, which reminds me of all of my crazy Enneagram stuff. Mm. Because I do think that the more self-aware you are and then the more aware you are about the people that you know and love and you're around, you're able to adjust. Right. And figure out what's going on. Right. And move forward with it. Right. Rather than just 
Please. Well, and I think it's hard um, to, I think it's like self-awareness. And I think also it is understanding it's like code switching because if you're the pilot of a plane or the co-pilot or whatever, like you're, it's a different code than if you're sitting at dinner Yes. With somebody that you revere. Right. So exactly. it's being yes. able to know that I have to code switch here. Like there, there's people that are going to die if I'm not like, we don't have enough fuel. Yeah. <laughs> you got to park this yes. or whatever. Right. Yeah. Versus like being at a dinner and maybe you, you know, you speak out of not your turn or right. how you're not supposed to do somebody that's, you know, who you revere or is an authority, you which know? I, which I think people, I worked for a, um, a retired military yeah, and he did not code switch. <laughs> I mean, he didn't, yeah. I mean, he, he treated all of us like, like we were like military. Like, yes. Yeah. And it was terrible mm. because it was just so, I mean, it was, it was ridiculous levels of expectation. Yeah. He, he, um, spoke, he never, even, even with clients, he, he spoke to very, he just never code switched. I mean, it yeah. was, you got to figure this out, bro. Like <laughs> this is not working. We're not in desert. Yes. Storm, you Hello. Know? Like, we've got to, yeah. We need to, yeah. Know your audience. Yeah. Know your audience. And so, yeah, I just, I bet I just, I just loved it. But the quote is each of us has has his or her, her own distinct personality. But overlaid on top of that are tendencies and assumptions and reflexes handed down to us by the history of our community we grew up in. And those differences are extraordinarily specific. Yeah. And it's so true. Yeah. Not just with pilots, but just with... I always try to tell my kids, you don't really know. Right. You don't know what their house is like. Right. It is not like ours. Right. That is a guarantee. Right. You don't know. And so it makes them, makes differences extraordinarily specific. Right. So lay off for a minute. Right. You know, you don't know what they're coming from. Right. You don't know if they had breakfast. Right. I would be irritated too. Right. You don't or they know. had somebody serving them breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, whatever, exactly. You know? Oh, I know, exactly. Yeah. And so then they're yeah, then entitled they're... <laughs> in a different way. I mean, right. you know, so yeah, you just don't ever know. So, um, but this is a theme, this whole thing about um, basically what we don't know. Right. Is a theme that travels throughout Outliers and it describes, and I, I just like how this quote basically I don't know. It kind of, in my opinion, it kind of encapsulates the whole thing. Like there's so many things that lay on top of success and talent and, you know, personality. And it's just, it's a lot of momentum, right? Like unknown momentum that we don't even realize. So many layers of the, onion. Yeah. That we just don't even know. I should have had the video. (laughs) (laughs) I'm feeling my onion. Um, All right. So the rest of this is just really about like education, math, relationship with math, um, relationship with education. And I cannot wait to hear what you have to say about all this. Oh my gosh. Okay. First of all, I do agree. I 100% agree that math is, is perseverance. Yes. It irritates me to no end. And here, 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 Haley and I are too, like actual math people. <laughs> so we're not, this, we're not a good, I know we're just not good. I don't know what we are. Uh, yeah. Well, we're biased. We're but, biased. Yeah. But I guess what I'm saying though, is that anybody can do it. Yes. 
And it really, yes. and, and what bothers me is the mentality of, well, I can't do math. And so right. I'm not. My so, grandma was bad at it. My uncle's bad at it. My mom's bad, bad at, at it. it. It's genetic. It's no. genetic. I can't do math. And the thing is, is that you can do math. Yes. Anyone can do math. Yes. It is a matter of working hard. Yes. Getting down to an answer, hanging on, not letting go. And I, and I think that's why the Asian cultures, and that's what he, he says. Right. The reason why they're technically better at it than we are is because they work hard. They yeah. come from a culture of working hard. Right. Well, the rice paddy situation um, where there is like, what's the quote where it's like anybody that can get up early before the sunrise 360 days, days a, a year, year fails to make their family like poor or makes mm -hmm. fail. Yeah. Basically they make their family rich right. by, working by working pretty much every day right. above like all that. But it's interesting because, um, it is hard work and it is perseverance. It is the idea that you can do it. And then he talks about their language. Oh yes. The counting. Yes. And how they, Fascinating. yes. How the, like when we say 15, mm -hmm. it's not, it doesn't make sense. And then we switch to 21, 31 and like our numbers are all off mm -hmm. versus like their numbers are like one word. It's like a one syllable. Right. When you're counting and the system makes sense when you're counting and up. The, and the tens always say in the tens yes. and the, yeah. Right. And how basically how I forget the t time comparison, but mm -hmm. when you have, you know, somebody who four seconds versus one. Yes. Mm -hmm. And just how much higher uh, a kindergartner <laughs> or whatever level in China, for example, how can much count. higher they can count versus like a kindergartner in the U S just because just counting. Just number principle. Just because it's our language. Yes. yes. And just how that already sets you back mm -hmm. as a U.S. No, I don't want to say set back because I don't think well, it's just a Well, it just changes the it's game. Just, right. Yeah. And so it just, it's like, yeah, they have, so they have two things. They've got the culture of hard work that's like a generational thing. And then they've got the language situation that is on their side in terms of just number sense, counting. Mm -hmm. I mean, just basic, basic, basic number sense. Mm -hmm. They come, they start with it. So it's just fascinating. I it is fascinating to me too. So I just, well, and, and, I, and I love yeah. how, I love how this circles directly back yes. to the 10,000 hour rule yes. to the, um, you know, the, the Matthew for the first chapter yes. about love when you were born, when you were born, yeah. where you were born. It just, it, I just think it's super interesting how it circles us back, but there is, so there, there, and then he kind of goes into talking about the KIPP program, these KIPP schools. Yes. So oh our goodness. resident Haley <laughs> taught at a KIPP school. So first of all, what does KIPP stand for? Knowledge is power program. Okay. So tell us about a KIPP school. A KIPP like give school, us a Cliff's Notes inversion of a KIPP. A KIPP school is um, like a lottery public school. So a lot of it, like Ellen and STEM locally is a lottery public school. So it's paid for by the public. It's a charter school, um, so it's been, you know, approved to be here as a part of the public school. They get public funding for the students that come there, but when I say lottery, basically a parent applies for them. Okay, so I just want to keep that in your brain. A you parent, have to apply. Yes, a you're parent right. put a kid's name in the hat. So okay? a parent cares. That's yes. what you're saying. Yes, number one. Mm -hmm. Like that above anything else. Right. Um, and so the one he talks about is in New York, which is like the founding place of where they are and I taught in Atlanta but anyways Kip basically they're longer school days 
your core classes, so your English, your science, your um, social studies, and your math are all 90 minutes. This is fifth grade through eighth. And he said something about double math class in fifth grade. And I don't remember that, like where I was, but I could be, I could have blocked it out. I don't remember that. I taught seventh grade at the time. Um, no one ever do that. Seventh grade is the worst year to teach. <laughs> Yeah, but seventh grade is just like when they're no longer babies, but they're not teenagers Teenagers. and everything's confusing. And it's just like a lot. It's the pits. And that's also when you're really starting algebra, like, Mm -hmm. you know, so if you're not ready yet, then it's, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, I do. I've got one, you know, (laughs) so, you know, he lives at our house. Yeah. So anyways, but basically there, the whole philosophy is we need school culture. We need more time. We need more time. We need more time. We need less breaks. Yeah. Well, and and like how summers, like there is a summer school portion that they come, but it's very like light. I wouldn't, summer school is, is a very, not the right way to phrase that. I think. Summer program. Some, yeah. And you do some math and some reading and stuff. But basically when I say culture, like when you get, when your name gets pulled in the hat, we come to your house, several teachers come to your house. We interview you. We talk with your parents. We ask you to sign a contract for behavior. And this is before you even set foot in the school. And it's very much like, are you going to be able to commit to so many hours of homework? Are you going to, and like as a teacher, you have a cell phone from the school separate that you have to be available to 9 p.m. every day. So what I'm hearing is, the word I'm hearing is accountability. Accountability, but also like, accountability but more more like this is how we do it if you do not want to do it this way then you are not invited here and that's aggressive way to say it but like culturally like we had something called slant which means sit up track me look as i'm active Mm -hmm. listening i can't remember all the whatever but and so if i would if i would be like slant then you better be like sitting up like Mm -hmm. the whole thing is like walking in straight lines all, just very like everything is your whole day is dictated and we are going to make sure like you are. So do you see these kids then? Um, do you see having them as fifth through eighth graders, getting them in a habit yeah. of hard work, a habit of paying attention. And so then when they do on go on to high school and college, They've even, even though they're outside of that environment, right. they've already seen that that habit is successful. So they keep it on their own. Is that the idea? Well, I, I mean, I think the idea was that the fifth through eighth is hard. Right. Like that's when you're really, that's when you, that's when you lose, kids. you sink or swim really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the idea is like for these kids who haven't had summer experiences, traveling or whatever, mm-hmm. like we're going to provide that. We provide Saturday school. You have to be there. Like we're keeping you accountable to what you're saying to like hard work matters. And um, so I think that. And then prove that to them. So then they keep that going. Well, you, didn't have, back into- you don't have an opportunity to fail basically okay. to the extent that like, if you're, if you are struggling in math, instead of going to orchestra, you came to me for an extra hour. So you already saw me for 90 minutes and now you're with me for a whole nother hour. Okay. And that's just like basic skill work, whatever skills I think you need, okay. you're going to do those. And that, you know what I mean? So a lot of kids, to me, that's not great because I think the kids should be going to orchestra and <laughs> should be getting right. if they need, but that was the setup. Right. And so that was kind of an incentive to work hard, but also What's, what's great about KIPP is it's small and 
there was enough activities and culture that no one got lost. Okay. So versus at a public school, I'm trying to like speak lightly, but at a public school, I think Kip does some great things. I think it's the culture is a little difficult, especially for kids who have not as much support at home mm -hmm. because once they hit high school, they don't have those boundaries anymore. Not, that's kind of where I'm yes. wanting you to go. That's, yes. that's my question. Yeah. I just think that's interesting. It's like, uh, yeah, a lot of kids couldn't, once they got to high school, they didn't do well. Now, a lot of kids did great. And a lot of parents, like, I, put, I, point that out, I point that out about opting in because a lot of parents were choosing KIPP over a private school because it's public. Mm -hmm. So they're not paying a tuition for that. Okay. But could they afford a tuition? Absolutely. And so they're paying a tuition once they go to high school? Yeah. Or okay. their kids are getting a scholarship into a high school. But it okay. depends on where you are located. Right. But those kids who didn't have parents with a foresight with that or they just didn't have the opportunity or whatever the situation was, a lot of those kids would go to a school and act like a fool. Because they had been like, basically, I don't want to say, I don't want to say it was jail, but it was so regimented that you didn't have the opportunity to act like a fool. Right. And, um, you know, you, and so some kids, that is when you do that in middle school, you act crazy and yeah. you get it out of your system. system. Right. So I think, I mean, I don't know. It's hard because I get the idea. I, I, I admire KIPP because it is a charter school program that was able to get nationwide, that was able to get big enough and to get enough people behind it. But I think what's sad is it's still, a it's still a matter of, did your parent put your name in the hat? Right. And some kids are never going to have that. And that to me is like heartbreaking. Right. Well, mm -hmm. and what's sad is like, I've, I've done RTI, I've done response intervention classes and I've had plenty of kids that have no business being an RTI, but they don't want to do those tests. Oh, right. They don't want to do the test. And how, how often are we testing them in RTI? Every two weeks. Oh, wow. So. So, so now we have kids and I've had, it's just, it's like we, ha it's, we have kids who they have no business being an intervention. So if I know that you have no business in me being an intervention, what am I going to do? I'm going to build a relationship with you. I'm going to ask you about your science homework. Cause you're probably mm -hmm. failing science. You don't need math. I right. teach you math. like now maybe you do need math, but maybe you just need to add. So we're going to add, but like right. a lot of those kiddos, they don't need that, but they don't want to, they're not grade motivated. Right. They yeah. are not achievement motivated. And unfortunately, that's all we have to go off of. Are you failing your math class? Did you fail this standardized test we gave you? Oh, yes and yes. You're an intervention. You're not going to band. You're not going to art class. Mm -hmm. You know? You're stuck here. Yeah. And hopefully, I mean, and that, that's and hard on the teacher. Have, hopefully they have you as an RTI teacher. Well, hopefully, you know, and that's, well, that's what's hard is because it's hard for teachers. And I... Teachers have their backs against the wall. A lot of the things I did, I never told anyone. I did what I was going to do, what I thought was best for kids. Mm -hmm. But also because I finally realized they need me more than I need them. I can literally walk out to multiple schools right now today and say, uh, I'll be a math right. teacher. Now you're right. Yes, that is 100% so, true. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Once I realized that, mm -hmm. I'm, then I don't, I'm not worried about your whack curriculum or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to make my kids thinkers. Right, right. Period. Period. So, but it's hard because you have, you have teachers that in August and July are going to be sitting in data meetings being crucified because their kids didn't do well on, standard, on a standardized test. test. And you have teachers, this is their whole life. They care about these kids. Mm -hmm. This is who they are as people. But you're not good enough because those tests look like crap. Yeah.
Like, what are we doing? I know. Especially because, I mean, even in this data, in this book, it talks about how lower socioeconomic children at the end of the school year are doing fine. Yes. And then they go home for the summer. Right. And when they come back, the higher socioeconomic kids are continuing to achieve. Right. And the others are falling back because they don't have the support at home. Right. And it's like, we, you know, the, and see, that's what I'm saying. I'm hearing all of this. I mean, I'm hearing what you're saying and I 100% agree with it, but it just goes back to what is the, what, what, are, what is creating all of the problems? And I think what frustrates me is that there are these families and I don't care high, low, medium, socioeconomic, right. I don't, it got, it's across the board right? that expect mm-hmm. the teacher mm-hmm. to carry the load right. of everything with this student. Right. And that's not how life is. Well, and I think that, um, I'm sorry, it's a public school. Like I've taught at one time, I, ha- I was responsible for 130 kids. That's yeah, a lot. lot. Yeah. That's a lot of children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm trying to survive. Right. Well, but, but, and, and, and <laughs> so you I'm can't, saying, yeah, you can't expect a personalized experience when you're, when you chose. Right. A public school. Like right. I'm going to do my best, but your kids. Well, sometimes uh, you can't, sometimes you're yeah. not choosing a public school. Well, yeah. I mean, most, yeah. you know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, no, I get that. You know, I'm right. just saying there's a lot of majority right. of families out there right. are not saying, I want to go to public school. Right. I mean, they're going there because. Right. And don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying that. Pri- I'm not by any means saying you need to go to private school. I'm just saying recognize that. My point is that we, there is so much more we could do if we would act as if every kid mattered. Right. That's what I guess what I'm yes. saying is that, yes. that, that what I'm, but my problem is this. Yeah. Let's say mm-hmm. that you're, that the teacher yeah. is you over and over and over again. Yeah. My kid has you for every class. Mm. You know, a different, you know what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I do actually believe wholeheartedly that most of both of my kids' teachers and the school system we're in are phenomenal. Well, and I think 99% of teachers are phenomenal. Right. They just have a lot, a very hard situation. Uh, yes, yeah. on their hands. But the reason why I feel like is that is the hard situation is because these families mm. are at home expecting to do nothing right. and their kid to be successful. And they're like, you know, they don't even care. They don't even know. Right. And so to me, it, it's, it's like a, it's a community right. thing. It's not right. just what's happening in RTI right. or what's happening. Right. I mean, well, and that's hard too. When you have parents who they didn't like school, school was not yes. a great school was an unsafe place for them. Right. School was miserable. Mm-hmm. Like then, it's hard because they're, they're, they they can't be advocates for their kids yeah. when the school system did them wrong, right? And they and the attitude is, ah, you've got to go to school. Yeah, like they're you know, so you, so the kid comes in like that, right? And so I guess that's what I'm saying is I feel like there's uphill battles everywhere. Yes, there's uphill battles battles towards state testing, mm. and then you've got the uphill battle towards family dynamic, right? And and that's where I try to, and I feel like that we all should try to, um, if you have a kid that you support and you have, you know, fortunately, you know, you come from a 
socioeconomic that allows you to have these experiences, then you do have to say, you know, like you're going to have to give some grace to these kids that are in your class, guys. Right. You know, like to ease the tension. I just, it's just. Well, and I think too, on that spectrum of parent, like some parents, I've had parents call me and be like, I want my kid in honors because there's a certain kid in the honors class without any regard for what the kid is learning or the student's level. Without any regard for what is actually best for the kids learning. Yeah. And that to me is like, that eats at me because you're now producing a child who, who it's not important that all of us are successful. Right. It's important that I'm successful, which I understand that. I understand I'm not a parent. I don't, so I cannot speak well, to the Well, you understand that parents advocate for their yeah, kids. Yeah, which is great. Yeah. But what, but what about the, there's kids who have zero advocate. Yeah, none. And, and also, but we're just basically, we're raising kids that think that. Right. Like. Oh, no, I agree. And so I. I, I because it's embarrassing. Well. You know, I, I, yeah. I, I, I have people in my life that I've talked to that they, that their teachers are recommending for a child to repeat and parents are saying no. Yeah. Because it would be embarrassing. Right. And it's like. Oh no. I don't know. Or, and that's the sad thing is like even if we talk about outliers as more time is going to benefit them. Like Right. Yeah. You it, know? Mm-hmm. Like let's address this now instead of 10 years from now. Right. <laughs> like they're not, not going to outbeat this. Like this is a problem, you know? Right. So Like fix it. Yeah. Fix it at the root. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I could go on and on about this and I just ugh. Yeah. I know. It's very, it's, yeah, I know it's, it's definitely, it's definitely frustrating. It wants me, it makes me want to like get on a soapbox. Well, and I just think too, like even just on the math thing and he's talking about more time. And I just think that we have so, so lost sight of what we want kids to know. Like we have kids right now who have no business being algebra two. They are never going to be using algebra two, but if we were doing inquiry and problem solving Mm -hmm. and we were looking at that, then why, you know what I mean? Like we, but I also then would say on the flip side of that, I don't know. I, I have no idea what my high schooler is going to do one day. They right. still don't know. Right. So let's expose them. Let's give them these things. If if they are able to do it, mm-hmm. then I want him to be, I want my kids to be able to do it. Because what if they are then saying, oh, I really like this kind of thinking. I want to go into that, this kind of career. Right. I do get not everybody is going to need that. Right. But you don't know when you're 15 and 16 right. years old. Which I agree. I just think we have, I think that we are calling it algebra two and we're calling it geometry because that's what the state has required mm-hmm. instead of actually looking at what, what are we actually really teaching. Doing, yeah. And now that I don't know. You know what I I'm saying? Yeah. Like, well, I think that some of this yeah. is just literally like, we're going to shove it down your throat to say we finished it. When actually to do well on an SAT, ACT, you need to be really good at eighth grade math. Right. Yeah. And now if you have all the other stuff, I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. I'm just saying we really need to evaluate. Like, that's the thing is that we are a system for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. We need to push kids through. We are not a system that's like, what do, what, what do I need to do for you? What do I need? That's hard. It would be hard to take all 130 students I taught as an example mm-hmm. and personalize what I'm doing for each and every one of them. You know what I mean? But yeah. it's a public school system, which is great. But it's like, what are we doing here? We are doing to say that we did. 
but are we really producing kids that are that are ready to go on to the next yes. level? Yeah. Right. R- regardless of what that level is. Right. Yeah. No, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. It is but hard. That's a hard, I mean, we have a system that works per se. Like we have a place for kids to go every day. That's true. You know, mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. They do. They can go there every day. And Sometimes. I'm not saying it's all bad. Some, some people get great things out of, you know, the education system. I just, I don't know. Well, I think what, yeah. I mean, I could, um, I, I could go on and on about that, but yeah. Anyway. You guys are like, okay, Okay, y'all. enough of that. They've already fast forwarded <laughs> that 30 seconds. They're like, oh, we're out. All right. So, um, I think the quote that Haley ultimately said at the end of this is outliers really aren't outliers at all. Yeah. Because we're all. Yeah. It's all like a big ball of like. Chain reaction. <laughs> yeah. We all affect one another. Yeah. And like, yeah, I believe in hard work. I believe in all those things, but. Oh, 100%. I don't think anybody yeah. said, has ever said otherwise. Right. It's just like Bill. It's something like that crazy. When even talking about Bill Gates, like all those guys, Steve Jobs, were all born within a, like 1954, mm-hmm. 1953. Right. Like not a coincidence. All these billionaires. Mm-hmm. They were. It was like. They were a certain age in the late 1800s. Yeah, because of what yeah. was being created right. at the time. It was the opportunity available. Right. right. Yeah, it is interesting. All right, so um, let us know your thoughts about Outliers. Yeah. If you haven't read it yet, read it now because now we've intrigued you. Yeah. It's Hopefully, so good, you're, you're like, oh, my God. All right, so <laughs> our next cross-training book is? I Am Malala. Okay. And it is a book about a girl. She was shot by the Taliban, and she basically, like, stands up to... She was on a bus, like, going to school, and she was basically like, I'm going to school, and they shot her in the face. Mm-hmm. I should, I don't know why I'm laughing. <laughs> oh, because it's uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah. so. But anyways, so it's her story. Now she's, like, a major advocate for women's education across the world, and so I think it will be a really good Because we didn't talk story. about women at all today. No, we didn't. he... You had that nine. one girl that went to Kip. That's true. Um, all right, so let's finish up. Okay. What you got? Whew, this is a major gear change. Um, a hard left. A hard left. Okay, so my finisher is, I don't know how you say it, a pache, a pache, a pash. He's a DJ, A-P-A-S-H-E. And I love this DJ. If you have been doing the recent Bonnie Pump backtrack, he's a DJ of that song. And he actually mixed my wrestling walk-in song with a different song of his. But it is just the most like intense beat. I just love it. I do too. I love it a lot. And there is a mix. I'll, I'll link it in the show notes. It's like a 30 minute mix and it's so good. And I listen to it when like I'm sitting at a coffee shop. I, I cannot stand coffee shop music. So I'll put that in and I'm in there like, ah, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Um, okay. So mine, I told you it ties back to Harlan, Kentucky. Yes. So Harlan, um, Kentucky. Harlan, Kentucky. So there's a television show and I just assume everyone's seen it cause it's been out for a long time, but Haley was, didn't even know what I was talking about. Um, it's called justified. Justified. It's I said, is this about Justin Timberlake? <laughs> and she was like, no, no, no. It's about, um, Kentucky. Um, it's about, I, there's so many things that it's about, but, um, go watch it. Go watch Justified. There are so many characters in this show. I'm sorry. Did you say Netflix? Um, if you say Paramount. No, I'm not saying Paramount. It was originally on. No, it was originally. Hulu. Stop. (laughs) 
<laughs> it was originally on FX. I think you can watch it on Prime now. Prime. Um, but, oh, y'all don't even understand. It is so stinking good. If you haven't seen it, you need to watch it. Um, it looks like you can watch it on Hulu. They do have it on. It is on Hulu. It's six seasons. Is this like for just me or would Shay watch this with me? Oh, this is 100% Shay. Okay. So, uh, the, there's a... We need a new one. Deputy Raylan Givens. Um, he has his own way oh, of like one? holding up justice. Oh, yeah. And so, he is a U.S. Marshal. And it's basically about his assignment in Kentucky and Raylan. So there's all these uh, these subplots going on like crazy. So you got like Raylan's personal life. You have Raylan's past. Then you have all of these outlaws that live in the Harlan, Kentucky area growing like drug lords and murder and and how he handles coming oh. back into that. Because he was raised there. He left. He came back. Mm. And so... Is so good. Okay. So anyway, yeah. I mean, like I said, Chris is there right now. So he sent me a he sent me a picture of like the Harlan, Kentucky, oh, whatever. And I texted him back and said, "Tell Boyd I said hi. You'll want to tell Boyd you said hi okay. too." Okay. Boyd Crowder. Anyway, it's so good, y'all. Okay. Um, I think that's all, guys. Thanks for hanging with all. us. If you made it this far, you need to comment on something. Yeah. Like a little ear emoji. Yeah. <laughs> if you made it to the end of this, yes. for all of us. Yes. Anyway, thank you. All right. That yes. is all for Jones Assassin.